Academy episode 22. You know, my, my lead technician, my foreman, and I said, listen, I want you to make X amount of dollars. How do we do that? How are we going to put together a program? How are we going to put together? How are we going to build the business to where I can pay you that kind of income? Weird. He got excited about it, right? I mean, he's like, he's like, yeah, let's do this, you know, um, rather than just kind of going through the motions and collecting a salary. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, aftermarketers, to the Academy episode 22, the matching audio podcast of the Town Hall Academy video on hiring for team dynamics. You know, hiring is a huge challenge to many, and just one bad hire can change the culture and dynamics of a team. Think about this. What would you do differently if you knew you could never fire anyone? Well, your Academy panel does an excellent job of highlighting key ways to keep your team dynamic as they share their experiences so you will make a few less bad hires. Carm Capriato here, and I'm glad you've chosen the Remarkable Results Radio Podcast as your personal learning and networking tool. So here's the scoop. If you find the Academy lessons valuable, you can participate in the live town hall. You can be in the live audience on Facebook or on my webinar platform. Everything is no cost to you. We broadcast every new Academy live on Fridays at 12 noon. Every link you need for a total submersion in the podcast and Academy is at remarkableresults.biz slash social. See the show notes for this Town Hall Academy at RemarkableResults.biz slash A022. Now there you will find my guests' bios and all the talking points. This way, the critical points of this Academy are already done for you. You could use them for a meeting agenda. Hey, this repurposed podcast of the video forum makes it easier for everyone that does not have the time to catch the live forum. That's the power of podcasting, the digital on-demand audio broadcast. Hey, glad you're here. And don't forget that every Academy has its own HD video replay that you can watch, and you can find them at RemarkableResults.biz slash Academy. Now listen to Dwayne Myers, partner in the multi-shop operation Dynamic Automotive. Dwayne pays it forward with his involvement with the Auto Care Association and serves on the Education Committee with CCPN, the Car Care Professional Network. Dwayne was recently honored as one of only 17 outstanding individuals that qualified for the prestigious 2017 World Class Technician Award, and that is presented by the Auto Care Association and ASE. He is very passionate about hiring and sustaining a strong and engaged team. Also here is Ryan Klo, owner of Dubworks in Cincinnati, Ohio. He's an 18-year veteran in the automotive service industry, and he considers personality over experience when he makes a hire. Ryan strives to create an environment and team that top A players want to join. He is a multi-shop owner and does consulting work, providing guidance to automotive businesses, including on-site evaluations, off-site coaching, business plan development, and one-on-one coaching with owners and staff. Also, here's Jude Larson, the president, owner, and lead consultant for JML Real Solutions. He is a frequent speaker and trainer at industry events. Jude's vast business experience includes being a highly successful service advisor, a top performer in the financial industry, and a record-setting career in retail management. Jude uses his rich experience in business success as he consults, trains, and coaches results-focused solutions with clients. And Jude is also a shop owner. And also, we have Tom Ham 
With the help of his wife, Deb, he is the creator and owner of Automotive Management Network, an 11,000-plus member website dedicated to the exchange of vehicle service management information. Tom has written extensively on a variety of management topics. Tom and his wife split their time between homes in Florida and Michigan, where they operate Auto-Centric, an import specialty shop in Grand Rapids. Tom brings his insights from AMN to this Academy lesson. Now here we go with the Academy lesson, Hiring for Team Dynamics. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Town Hall Academy from the Remarkable Results Radio podcast. Great subject, hiring for team dynamics. What was really what the outcome of this was is that Jude and Dwayne and Ryan were with us on employee loyalty a while back, and we almost all of a sudden came out and said, you know, we've got to do something called Team Dynamics. They all agreed. And then we brought Tom Ham in, and he's going to bring some um, exciting perspective. So look at um, hiring for Team Dynamics. You know, when I really looked at all of the input from you, and I and I looked at the research that I've been doing lately, I realized that this could almost be a two or three part series. We're going to get into it as much as and best as we can. And if we have to come back, we will, because this is so important. I hope to talk about today, or I hope to engage the team into good recruiting. What a good hiring process is assessments. I'm interested in knowing about that. What are the right questions to ask and how do you integrate someone new into your business culture jude i want to go to you first with the first thought or the first question um how do you find out who they are before you hire them that has a lot to do with what you just mentioned assessments there's lots of other techniques that you can do without assessments you can take them to dinner you can do things like that you know a little bit out of the out of the norm um you take them out for a meal Watch how they treat the wait staff. You know, we've heard those types of techniques and things. Um, and that'll give you a certain amount, but they they can still be on guard to a great extent, even through an experience like that. So assessments, um, and you got to use the right assessments. You have to use ones that are, that are pretty thorough, not just a quick, you know, what type of personality is this guy? Um, I mean, you want some of that because you want to be able to match the team together and have the right personality mix and all of that. But really, you need to go deep into the core of who they are, and the right assessments will do that. They'll tell you kind of the DNA makeup of that person, and then you can compare that to the rest of your team, to the position that they want to work in, to a lot of different stuff. So it's not 100% guaranteed. They say that on average, if you're trying to hire like a, the, the perfect fit rock star, if you will, for a position, they say that you have about a 16% chance using using traditional methods, and by using really deep um, assessing, you can increase that to about 85% odds of getting a, a, a rock star. Now, they still may not work out. They, we're all human beings, you know, and that kind of thing. But it increases your chances of it, uh, of you knowing who they are deeper and, and getting a better fit. So are we hiring for attitude, competency? What are we hiring for, guys? I think you need all of it. The thing is, you have to have the right attitude. I mean, we can teach the skills they need, but they have to have the right attitude coming in. Um, they they got to be on board to be with the team. And if they are, you know, as long as they have certain skills, we, we can we can grow them and get them to where they need to be. Tell me a little bit about your hiring process that builds that team dynamic. And you know what's so interesting is when we came up with the name uh, Hiring for Team Dynamics, Dwayne's company is Dynamic Automotive. 
And he said, was that a play on words? I says, no, it's just perfect. <laughs> I wanted to know who to send the check to. <laughs> you have to spend time with, with people that you're interviewing. And it's just not me. It has to be the people in the team, who they're working with. Uh, the best thing is, is you know, if they spend some time with uh, the team, you know, they can come and interview with, with me and the shop manager and a couple of the technicians, but then spend some time, especially if they're, they're dedicated to walk out in the shop. Because if you take them for a tour around the facility, because, you know, we have a quick loop, repair shop, car wash, take them around, introduce them to people, give them the opportunity. If he, they start a conversation, that kind of tell you if they'll melt together or not. If you're looking for the best team, which is what I look for is, uh, the best fit for the team, not the the most successful or best technician. I want somebody that's going to complement the team so everybody raises up. I think everybody agrees on the attitude and the personality. And uh, I will say that I found it easier in what I call the front of the house, you know, advisors, customer service. Uh, you just have a bigger uh, pool of people and you can pull people out of other industries. They don't necessarily have automotive, but they're just skilled in customer service or maybe skilled in sales and we can train them. Uh, I think everyone would agree it's probably a little harder with technicians. I mean, uh, we really want to get, you know, guys there with great personalities and there's a lot of great ones out there. And I mean, I've been really blessed, uh, to have, you know, some of the people come through, you know, our shops, but, um, you know, I think there's a lot of guys out there that are going to be watching this thinking, you know, there's a shortage of technicians and you're telling me I got to, you know, be really kind of choosy. Um, and, and to that, I would say, I mean, yeah, a bad apple is going to be tough. Um, there's no time like day one, you know, to, if you get someone that has the qualifications and you're not a hundred percent sure about, you know, the attitude of the personality, but you're just, you know, you, you feel like you got to give them a chance. You really get a good opportunity on day one to set the standards for what you expect in terms of uh, being a team player or, or having regular interviews uh, with them, you know, in the, in the initial period of time, just to, I don't know, just to try to see. And, and all of that, I mean, I think, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only one here that's made a bad hire. You know, it will happen from time to time. I mean, ultimately, you have to give them, uh, give them a chance. But I definitely agree with what uh, I think it was Dwayne was saying about, you know, bringing people in. And that can be a challenge, too. I mean, getting them in, you know, during shock, shop time if they have another job. But if they got a lunch break, I've had guys that have stopped in lunch breaks. And, uh, yeah, definitely watching how they socialize and how they interact. And, you know, a lot of it, I mean, I think, you know, we've used Burt Key online testing, but, a lot of guys out there will agree it's still kind of a gut instinct thing. And, uh, you know, we've kind of, or I've kind of tailored a list of questions that, that I use to kind of, you know, ferret out some of the details. And, you know, people are always on their, their best behavior on interviews. So uh, you kind of got to keep that in mind as well. So when we surveyed the membership, the things that stood out, the things that uh, shop owners mentioned the most were, and this is an order of uh, priority, attention to detail was number one. Diagnostic ability was number two. Time management was number three. Problem solving, number four. Uh, number five was comebacks. And number six was going the extra mile. Those are the top things they were looking for and they found the most challenging to find. Would that benefit our audience by having by writing them down in designing your questions around those issues or, or listen for the cues that tell you that those are, that those are going to make a fit in your company? Unfortunately, as everybody knows, the ultimate test is to put them back there for 30 days and then I'll tell you whether they're going to work or not. <laughs> uh, somebody mentioned the Burke assessments and I, I think that that and probably other uh, service provider, people that provide that service are very good. 
where that has become useful, I don't know, so much in, in a positive sense, but sometimes in an elimination sense is where uh, it's a scale of one to 100 and you give the technician the, uh, the assessment test and he scores seven. Well, you probably, he's not, I don't think he's trainable. He's not going anywhere. So uh, the assessments, I think, can be very helpful. It's one new tool, one of many that uh, can be used. Guys, Dwayne brought up uh, working with shop foreman, maybe another tech. Have you all relied on their um, input in hiring decisions for a technician? Absolutely. I'm actually in the process of, of uh, hiring a couple of new technicians right now. I didn't as much in the past, but uh, this time through, I'm leaning heavily on my shop foreman. He's part of the hiring process, um, interviewing whether that's over the phone to you know to, to weed out, so to speak, to make sure that they're what we're looking for. But especially in person, um, we're actually doing you know live interviews in some cases, if you will, where he's actually watching them go through a process um, on a vehicle because. We're hoping to not have to go through that dreaded 30-day process and know a little deeper ahead of time kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm, I lean heavily on my foreman and, and really the whole staff because everybody, um, like others have mentioned, everybody has to be on board and, um, and know that this is a good fit. I'm sure each of you have one major piece of learning that happens when you make a bad hire. <laughs> you say, I got to be careful of that next time. <laughs> or, boy, that blindsided me. Can any of you share one of those aha moments that you never want to repeat again? Or it helped your intuition get stronger? Don't be desperate. Don't hire because um, you're desperate for someone. You know, Of course, try not to let that happen. But it's, I think it's better to, to deal with being a little shorthanded than it is dealing with a bad apple. Uh, yeah, I have definitely one to my credit, and uh, it came right to mind. And he interviewed so, so well. He had experience. He even had a good reference. Uh, it was before I did the, the testing, so I wonder if that would have uh, weeded him out. But after a month, he literally disappeared, just didn't show up, wouldn't call. And then, anyways, it got weird. But, um, I, you know, as for what I learned from it, I think uh, – just knowing again that, that when people interview, they're going to be on their best behavior. And, you know, I, I think it probably modified my questions a little bit. Actually, I'll tell you what I do think um, in his case, uh, and this has been really true in the, in the people that I've hired, nobody wants to take a step down. And I do think that given that particular individual's previous positions, I might have interpreted the position that I hired him for as a step down. And that is a red flag for me. Uh, you know, if there's one thing that I see clearly in interviews and resumes in myself, everybody wants to be part of something growing, something getting bigger, better, however you want to, you know, uh, quantify that. And people are on a career path. And it's true in life. You know, people do have, uh, you know, times where they need to take a step sideways or even a step backwards. It happens. And I'm not saying I'd rule somebody out for that, but it's just something I take into consideration. You know, if someone's been you know, a general manager, and then they want to come in and, you know, run the counter and customer service, I just think to myself, boy, you know, are you going to be happy in this position? And so, uh, yeah, I think that's the lesson that I learned there is this gentleman took a step backward. And I think he was probably desperate for the job. Maybe that didn't, you know, come through in the interview. But thanks for that. Tom, any major lesson you came away with? Quick comment on a couple of things. I think it's worth pressing hard on uh, the issues of drugs and alcohol, because uh, those can really bite you. In general, one thing that makes hiring somewhat difficult, especially for a technician, 
is technicians tend to be the best technicians are good with things. They're not fantastic with people. That's the nature of a really, that's the characteristic. And the reverse is true also. People who are extremely good with people and people friendly usually aren't the top technicians. And, and you got to find a balance there. We don't want anybody who's the rudest person in the world in our shop. But uh, I think you can be easily sucked into hiring somebody who just seems like the nicest guy you ever interviewed. But he really can't fix a sandwich, much less a car. And, and he has all the ASE certs and he has everything else. He's managed to, to accomplish all, check off all the boxes. And lo and behold, you get him back there and you just find out it doesn't work. So uh, we really try to keep that in mind. The service advisors we want people persons and, and technicians we want people who are good with things and kind of friendly <laughs> you know jude you sent me a uh, a comment and it said what would you do different if you could never fire anyone boy do i love that comment uh, i don't know guys but that's that's powerful can we talk about that yeah, I actually got that out of uh, Simon Sinek. I think his last name is his uh, uh, one of his yeah Sinek, one of his newer books, The Leaders Eat Last. And I was listening to it um, as I was commuting or something, and and that came across. And and if I'm just going to be transparent here, I was in the middle of letting two people go uh, when I when I listened to it, and um, and it it really impacted me. I mean, I was really thinking about it, thinking what did I do in this process that set up to where I am, where I, how I, how did I get here? You know, what, what did, what, what was not done that should have been done? Maybe what was, what was, you know, done that shouldn't have been done. I mean, you know, there's, so looking at it and, and so it really kind of makes you spin things around and look at it from a different angle. If you think about that, because there are some, you know, companies out there, he gives examples in the book of companies that have made that their policy. They do not ever fire anyone. And so if you have that policy, obviously you're never going to hire somebody. Well, if you're smart anyway, you're never going to hire somebody out of desperation because once you've got them, that's it. They're there forever. And so you have to make sure, make sure, make sure that you've done your homework before you're considering bringing somebody on board and making them a part of your team. If they're going to be permanently a part, it makes you just think from a different perspective. You know, so if you're, if you're looking at a guy and you're interviewing and you're going through the whole process and you're, and because as, as business owners, as shop owners, of course, with, you know, technician shortages and that sort of thing, um, we can get desperate. And so we've got, you know, a, a bazillion hours we need to get out and we don't have enough text to do it. This guy has a pulse. You know, we pay past the mirror test. You know, we put the mirror under the nose and it fogs <laughs> up and, you know, bring him in. You're setting yourself up for catastrophe when you do that kind of thing. So you got to slow down the process. Um, like somebody mentioned earlier, you know, go through the pain and suffering of, you know, being overbooked for this, the season that you need to, to do it right and build it right. Because when you do that, you can go on, I mean, indefinitely at that point. But while you're in that process, if you think this person, if I could never get rid of them, do I still want them? If they're here for life, they're literally the rest of their life, the rest of my life, the rest of the business life, they're here. Do I want them? And it's going to make you think a little deeper, I think. It does me anyway. <laughs> you know what it kind of reminds me of, guys, is the is the Covey begin with the end in mind. What if you were sitting down across from someone and begin with the end in mind is replaced with what would you do different if you could never fire this person? What's the, what's the relationship going to look like 20 years from now, 30 years from now? 
what's it, what are they going to be doing in the business and where are they going to be at and where are you going to be at and where you know where's the team going to be at i think a good thing to ask someone is their goals you know what they want not just out of employment with you but out of their life you know where are they heading in the you know one year three year five year you can even go out to 10 or 20 if you really want to stretch it but i think once you start asking them you know what their goals are you you get them talking and then you ask questions about what they said and it just it, if they're truthful they're going to be quick to answer they're going to you know and they'll stay with their story it helps you weed out people that are just trying to tell you what you want to hear instead of what what you need to know about them and and i think if you know what someone's goals are one is you can help them achieve it and two you know if you're in alignment with them Ryan, have you ever sat down and shared the vision of your company, your mission, or your culture, and 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 looked them in the eye while you were telling them that, and said, "This will or won't be a fit"? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think you know my interview process usually starts with sharing the vision for the company, and I, you know, if I'm gonna, um, I stop bringing everybody in in person because I realize you know I'll do a quick phone interview just to try to weed it out, and I usually tell them you know let me let me spend a few minutes on the phone with you, tell you about my company so you can decide if you think it's a good fit for you make it a little bit about them and you know if they're still interested then i can kind of go into tell me a little bit more about you and um you know kind of the what's required uh situation there guys uh, i've been um been around the horn just a little bit i recall back in um a bunch of uh, my team mates that i led came in and said it's him or us has has a, has a team fire ever happened in your world? Boy, everybody's jumping up to answer that one, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I just had one. I mean, I, you know, I've I've worked with a lot of clients too, doing the same thing. And in some cases, um, this particular client wasn't a, a, an automotive shop per se, but we they have one employee left. I mean, we we went through and had to clean out because they had. Uh, you know, they'd hired their friends, which is what a lot of us want to do when we start a business and we're excited. We're doing something we love. We have passion for it. We don't necessarily know how to run a business yet, but you know, we think, man, you know, I love hanging out with, you know, with Bill. And so I'm going to bring Bill in because Bill's the best guy ever. Turns out Bill's a horrible employee. He's a great guy to hang out with on the weekends, but he's a horrible employee. He doesn't do the job well at all. And he, you know, had demanding and, you know, just bad fit and all that. And, you know, there's an infinite number of stories out there that you can, you can hear of that sort of thing. I mean, I, I know a, a friend of mine who hired a friend of his and he worked for a while and then, but it was a temporary thing. Like he was, he was helping the guy out. Um, like he was in between jobs and he said, well, why don't you come work for me while you're looking for another job and it'll kind of supplement your income kind of thing. You know, six months later, started complaining about how much he was making and <laughs> it just, it turned into something it wasn't supposed to be in the first place. And so, yeah, you got to watch out for that. Any learning curve, Dwayne, on a team fire? If you have your whole team coming to you saying that, you know, it's us or that person, I think it means I've waited too long already to, to yeah. start talking. You know, I, I, I would have to take the blame for that if I got that. Uh, I should have already done my due diligence and kept up with it and listened to my team because I, I, take, I take pride in the fact that I talk to them every day. And I not only talk, but I listen. Um, and... I'm encouraging them to tell me, how can we get better? What's what's our hurdles? And by doing that, I would think I would be hearing, you know, that, that we have a problem with this person. And I would have already been dealing with them, you know, coaching them, helping them, uh, 
educating them, doing something to make them better. And if I did all of that and they still aren't getting better, then there's decisions that need to be made at that point. But I think if they come to me with a black or white, yes or no, they got to go. I've already messed up that <laughs> I'd have to take the blame myself. You know, Tom, it reminds me of the, the gut intuition that talks to you. They you know that little person, you know, that's with you when you put your head on the pillow at night <laughs> saying, you know, uh, Bobby, it's time for him to go. And you do that 300 times, 300 days. <laughs> Are we listening to our intuition enough? Well, we hear from members more than anything else. It, it, it's the same thing. I waited too long. That's what everybody says. I waited too long. One of the good things I, I think uh, that I've heard uh, as, as shop owners get older, the older the shop owner, the quicker they fire because they've learned over and over and over that I waited too long. And finally, about the time you know they're ready to retire to the Caribbean, they're, they've got it about right. They're hardened. Yes. Well, they're not hardened in the sense that it's, it's best – for the person who's being fired to say, you're not a good fit. It's time you go to a different industry and you have certain gifts and talents. Everybody does. This just isn't you. So you need to find a different one. And uh, of course you have your people to think of. So it's beneficial for everybody, the employer, the other employees and the person getting fired. Everybody wins if you you really analyze it closely. You know, one of my clients had had a situation, I think you could call it a team fire where it was pretty much service advisors against technicians. And this is a great client. I really, this guy's really in touch with all of his employees. And, uh, you know, it ended up in all of those technicians leaving and getting completely restaffed. And it kind of reminded me of what we were talking about, you know, earlier about, you know, hiring somebody for life. And it's idealistic and I love it. And I think you should take that approach to it. I think, you know, part of the reality of that is people change. People get burnt out. Uh, I've seen in, in my own shop and in some of the clients I've worked with that People fear change, even good change, and it, it baffles me a little bit. But when the when the shop changes and changes that we might think are more positive, you know, better customer service or uh, and, you know things like that, or more training, and and guys get a little weirded out by it, and it's not what they signed up for. So you know, and I, I'm definitely guilty of of waiting too long. Uh, and then you know, once things change, I'm like, man, that was really kind of a good thing. Um, so you know, as idealistic as it is to keep somebody forever. Um, you know, I think um, somebody told me once, you know, if you're looking at a resume and you see you see someone who's moved around every year. OK, you know, they're a jumper. And you're not going to hire them because they're not going to stick around. But on the flip side of that, I remember a resume where this guy had worked at one shop for 25 years. And the comment that was made, I think it was uh, by Cecil Bullard, said this guy's got no drive. You know, it's it's there kind of can be a natural progression of somebody. You know, like I feel like I'm like if I'm hiring an order, like I mentioned, I made a mistake because a guy took a step down, but I can be a step up in somebody's journey. Um, you know, I had a couple guys, one of them ended up going and working for one of our vendors, one of our performance vendors. It was a great opportunity for him. I couldn't really, you know, deny him that. I mean, he'd been great for us and, you know, he went and worked for them. And um, I mean, I tell a lot of my guys, I want you to be happy. You know, if you're happy here for 20 years, that's great. Uh, if this is a stepping stone for you onto something bigger, you know, I mean, uh, you know, do we, are we in a generation where we get lifers anymore? I'm just not really sure. You know, I see resumes all the time. I think five years is an amazing tenure. Ten years is like awesome. Um, and, and I'm fortunate. I mean, I've got some got some long termers and I, I hope they stay. But if they decide at some point that they're ready, you know, I, I wish them well and say thanks for, you know, thanks for being part of the team. 
I had a, uh, a thought when, and I can't remember, Judy, it may have been you talking about it, is someone saying they're, they're not happy with change. And the thought that I had, and Dwayne, I think you may have touched upon it. You're talking to your people all the time. It sounds like you're, you're all doing that. If we're sharing our vision, if we're sharing what our strategic planning is, because you continue to hear every three years, you have to look to reinvent yourself, business model transformation stuff. And if we're sharing it with our people, would they be that surprised to accept the change that's going on and consider that they're just not here welcome anymore? So, I mean, if we're going to hire for team dynamics, it's part of our responsibility is to keep our people totally engaged with what, where we see Compass North, you know, the northbound train. I think it's important to keep, you know, selling the vision. I mean, you have to sell the vision when you're hiring somebody, obviously, um, especially if you're going after um, top-notch candidates, rock star status type people. You're not going to just be able to go, you know, I'll pay you 25 cents an hour more than the other guy. You have to sell them the vision of where you're going and what your company's doing and how important it is. And I believe you can't, you know, have a great, you know, recruiting meeting where, you, you know, you bring them in and it's, wow, oh, it's amazing. And, you know, we're doing all this great stuff. And then, you know, a few months later, it's just back to, you know, everybody's, you know, flatline. I'm assuming, of course, that that vision is legitimate, that you're actually, you know, you weren't just selling them, you know, you were actually going to deliver on what you were saying. And so you've, you've got to be constantly doing that. And one of the people, one of the things employees, I'm sure you guys all know this, want so much is they want to be in the loop. They want to feel like they're a part of it. They cannot stand when there's all this stuff going on behind the scenes, you know, and, you know, there's too many stories of, of Enrons and crazy stuff like that going on out there. The people, they don't want to be in a situation like that where they have no idea what's happening and suddenly the boat's going down and, you know, the, the leaders are on lifeboat floating away already. They don't like that. So they want to, they want to be a part of something. Everybody does. Some people want to be a bigger part. Some people want to be a smaller part, but everybody wants to be a part of something and they will grab onto a vision. So you've got to be reselling that all the time and living it. I mean, being, being a part of it, if you're going to be there and you're going to be part of the active and working team, you've got to be, you know, constantly exuding that vision and, and, and letting them feel it. And just like, Hey guys, we're going, we're getting there. We're going to, you know, today we're doing this next week. We're going there. This is the next thing coming up. We're working on this one Then we're going to put that back there. You know, I mean, I went to, you know, my, my lead technician, my foreman, and I said, listen, I want you to make X amount of dollars. How do we do that? How are we going to put together a program? How are we going to put together? How are we going to build the business to where I can pay you that kind of income? Weird. He got excited about it, right? I mean, he's like, he's like, yeah, let's do this, you know, um, rather than just kind of going through the motions and collecting a salary. So people's it. You take care of your people. Will they take care of your customers? I think well, so. Yes, I love what you said, uh, Jude, just a moment ago, and the word that came to my mind was engagement. Can you all here on the forum say, uh, yeah, we are totally engaged with our people. That's why we have tenure. Like Brian, you said, maybe maybe five years is, is great today, and, and, and maybe 10 is, you know, like being married 40 years. How challenging it is to, to, to lock down anything. But uh, I guess the curiosity that... I have based on the discussion here is how do you bring on a new employee and engage them in your culture? Is there are, are there steps that you, you you look over here at your process sheet and say these are the things we're going to do in the next thirty days to ensure? I think if you've done a good job with your existing 
changing culture. Everybody, you know, they're going to, by osmosis, now I'm not saying we're not doing training and we're not going to show them the processes and how we want the job done and, you know, try to clarify that as I've sold them on the to make sure that they're involved. But once they're actually in the day-to-day, um, nobody wants to be the odd person out. I mean, if, if you come in and you're the new person, most new people, you know, want to be, you know, want to do what everybody else is doing. So if the culture is already there and it's, it's very, very well established, my experience is most new people will kind of, you know, by default, um, accept that culture and want to be a part of it. And, you know, regular meetings at the shop, uh, we do that and we do regular reviews. And those are opportunities to, you know, if something doesn't seem like it's fitting in to try to address that. Yeah, I think the best way is, again, to already have that culture, you know, firmly in place. And uh, yeah, that, that's kind of a longer term thing. You know, part of our culture, I think, is, you know, being a top performer, trying to always be on the top game, trying to constantly improve. Uh, you know, I hear people say, you know, it was stagnant at the other place. So uh, we're always trying something new, um, you know, new software, something new at the shop, a new tool, you name it. Um, they get the resources that they need. I, I keep seeing that constantly in the interviews and the resumes that, you know, people say, you know, I'm just, I wasn't moving forward anymore or the shop wasn't moving forward. So, um, and it's kind of an aside into our culture, but again, I think when it's firmly established and you sell somebody on that and they come in, they've been told what to expect. They get there. It, it, you know, the expectation is met and, uh, you know, hopefully they weren't, you know, all BSing you in the interview. So Ryan hit it on the head. I think if you have the culture already, it makes it so much simpler to get the buy-in. Uh, when we have our meetings, our weekly meetings, you know, we go around the room and ask everybody, you know, tell well, where are we going, what's going on, and then we get their input, and we encourage them and almost, I don't want to say demand, but they, they need to have something to say. they got to have something for improvement. It's our job to react to that, to not let those words just fall on deaf ears as, you know, if they have an idea, even if it's a bad idea, you know, think about it, decide, and then go back to them and tell them why, you know, why this isn't going to work. Don't let them think that their their voice was unheard. That's the worst thing. You want them to at least know that, that you heard them, even if you didn't agree with them. But if, with the right culture, you know, I, I'm lucky. I'm blessed. I have five people this year hitting 10 years. And uh, it, it's great. And it's spread all out through the company, which is even better. It's not all in one place. So I have the senior people. And when someone new does come in, you know, they get to see the culture from the, the, the guy, the man, you know, the woman, the, whoever's in charge, you know, that, that has been here for a long time. And uh, it, it's contagious, you know, and with the right culture, it just keeps building. I love what you just said. Um, you, you basically said we have a culture of continuous improvement. And I guess if I was working for you and I realized I was going to a meeting and every week I had to bring something, man, you got me engaged. Yeah, you get a buy like the first two weeks, and after that, you need to talk or we're going to sit there and wait. <laughs> well, what, what we've run into is, and this is just our situation, we've run into some some people are just not comfortable talking in a meeting. So we try to also interact with them one-on-one for those, those folks who uh, don't care to do that. One thing we did that's been very successful is once a year we – give them a, a suggestion form, if you will, and they have to give us 10 ideas. And it can be anything from a new alignment machine, I want flavor coffee, or anything, anything with the facility at all in any way. And then we take that list and we make sure that we do something for everybody. 
some of those items are going to be picked off for every person in that building. So they're going to contribute in some way or another. Something they wanted is going to happen. Uh, that's been very successful. People have liked that. I wrote down this word reviews. If if I was hiring for quality team dynamics and I had an individual come on board and I said, listen, we're doing twice a year reviews. I just want you to know that. Would it be smart to do a review, a full-blown, honest-to-God review where you just listen? <laughs> you don't review the person, but you listen to that person after 30 days? I started a couple of years ago, which they thought I was crazy at first, but course i would review the individual but i would make them do their own review and i always make them go first and 99 percent of the people are always much harder than i am i, I learn a lot about them uh, i can't say i do it at 30 days but that might not be a bad idea but i do it 90 but then i, I always make them review their self and i make their direct report review them and not as much now but a lot of them I, i'll sit in on and i'll give them my opinion and, and usually i'm the the nicest out of the bunch, which is surprising sometimes, but people are brutal on themselves. It gives me opportunities. One is I can help them show where they've really done good. Um, and then I know where they feel they're bad so I can help them. You know, sometimes they're wrong. They're not as bad as they think. Other times I know I got more work to do. You know, the reason that I said 30 days is that I, I hear that a lot. You know, after 30 days, they didn't show up. They disappeared. I wanted to let them go. We wanted to kill them. It was, you know, all kinds of crazy things. And, and I thought in anticipation of that 30-day, if you will, uh, anniversary, uh, I recently read or heard someone speak, and I can't re- can't place it. When when they do reviews, they do the, the individual. They do a review on themselves. The individual reviews their supervisor, and they ask the person they're interviewing to review the company. One-third them, one-third supervisor one-third company we uh we recently changed our reviews carm we uh we do what Dwayne does where people review themselves and we've done that for several years but the most recent round um i made the very first question a review of of the company the very first question is you know what can we do differently and uh just to kind of get started on the you know what can we do to continuously improve so we do do initial you know 30 or 60 day reviews for new staff although i have not done the um you know, the written self-review like we do normally, and that'd be a, that'd be a good consideration for sure. Yeah, Tom, I'm going to I'm gonna go to you, but I, I really want to give you, you a plug for what you do uh, with uh, Automotive Management Network. Uh, and I know you, you can't all see this, but, you know, I've, I've actually opened up and actually copied. I can't remember if I printed how I did it, but the reviews are really excellent, and, and I love how you do them. Uh, you know, you can go on to Tom's site, check it out, actually answer the questions, or you can just click and see the results and and get a feel for I wonder what my peers are thinking about. I think it's one of the greatest highlights on your site. Of course, besides being able to see my podcasts there. But <laughs> Tom, you, you had some input on some questions. Quick point on the surveys that you mentioned. We've tried to uh, we've tried to do this more, especially lately, is our surveys uh, initially were primarily directed at shop owners and management, but we're trying to throw surveys in there now that are directed at technicians and dragging some technicians in and having them fill out the survey. So we're seeing both sides, and especially the technicians often view it as sides. The biggest question that uh, if our members were watching this this today would say, you know, th- those are all great ideas, and, and I've, I've heard some of those, and, and I've and I employ a number of those and, and, and so on and so forth. But that does me no good because I can't get anybody to sit across from my desk and interview in the first place. 
my ads are offering uh, sixty to ninety thousand a year for for a technician, or they're offering uh, uh, thirty five dollars an hour flat rate, and I get no resumes, no phone calls. And the, the few that I do get, if I just go through some basic screening, like do you have a driver's license? That gets rid of a lot of them. Uh, you know, can you pass a background check? Uh, do you have a technician license? We're in we're in, uh, in state to require that. That just eliminates so many of them right off the top. Uh, so I don't have anybody sitting across the chair, sitting across the desk from me. How do I get them in here in the first place to interview them? Where do I find these people? So that's what our members want to want to hear from these guy from these experts. A friend of mine in the industry started a company uh, doing recruiting for technicians, and I'm not sure where he's at right now. But one of the things he told me is it's not any particular secret. It's just hitting. It's hitting everywhere. It's hitting all the points. A lot of people would say, I mean, yeah, we have a shortage of technicians and you know, our industry just doesn't have the image that we'd like it to have as professionals. And um, there's a lot of other reasons for that. Um, and we may not have enough time today to discuss all of that, but uh, I'll try to just give a quick answer. And I mean, it's um, creating a, an environment that A players want to join. You really got to put in the effort uh, to have a top shop. It better look like a top shop. I mean, hopefully you've got good people. You've got good culture. The things we already discussed uh, and in terms of, you know, finding people, you know, leveraging the information age, uh, social media is huge. Do you have a social media presence? Facebook, of course, Instagram, YouTube, do you have a YouTube page? Uh, LinkedIn has a recruiting feature. Have you used that? You know, getting online, everybody knows Craigslist. Have the best Craigslist ad. Use all the HTML, have the bold, have pictures of your staff where people can make a human connection. I have a feeling that some of the people that aren't getting a response you know, they're not reaching all of the channels. And if they are putting a Craigslist ad, because I see Craigslist ads all the time, they just don't stand apart. You need to really have a stellar, stellar ad. Uh, and I can, you know, talk more about that. But um, people have used, you know, Monster or Indeed, online forums, uh, networking with every person you know, tool people, bounties. Um, if you can find a headhunter or a recruiter. I know one guy, I can't say who he is. He was out early in the morning sitting outside a dealership and he had his card for what he was hiring. He watched guys come in and technicians and slid his card, you know, on the technician's cars because he didn't like this particular dealer. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, how creative are you willing to be to get people across the desk? Um, if there's a shortage, you're going to have to work extra hard. And what you're offering, you know, it's great that you've got 60 to 90K or 35 an hour, but, um, you know, does your website look amazing? You know, does your do your reviews look amazing? I mean, it's just... There is no silver bullet. It's like 20 or 30 things that you got to do. And uh, I think at that point, you know, you will have more resumes trickling in, more people that want to work, maybe even have a list of people that say, hey, if you're hiring, you know, uh, let me know at that time. Uh, and then and keeping in touch. Uh, I certainly have uh, lots of numbers on my cell phone where if, I, if an opening comes up, you know, I've got people I can call and don't stop recruiting. Don't ever stop. That's a constant thing that you have to do. Even if you're not hiring, don't get caught with your pants down. It's all about timing. You know, someone might be looking for a job, you know, now and you take their number and it doesn't work out. And then a year later you have an opening and they're like, oh, the place I, I went to work for, it's not working out. But they weren't looking on Craigslist that day. So I think that's the other thing is, uh, you know, have recurring stuff. So I'll stop there. <laughs> No, keep going. You're doing good. I was going to say, you could write a book. <laughs> I, I think Ryan's, he's dead on. And, and the biggest thing, and he started off with it, and I think it is, is it's, it's 
hard to find technicians nowadays. But if you have the right culture, you know, technicians in your area is a network. They all talk. Everyone talks. So they know if you're a good shop. They know if you have enough work. They know if you take care of your people. If you are investing in the people you have, and then if you're growing, if you're growing an industry, uh, a shop, you know, if you're adding stores or getting bigger, you know, technicians don't. Most technicians don't want to be technicians their entire life. They want to start stepping, and they at least want to know when they look up. There's another step. Uh, and I think if you have the right culture, it's a little easier to get the next person in. I've hired people and paid them less than they were making because they knew they were moving to a future. Um, and it's because at the time, that's all I could afford. You know, and, and I, pro- I followed through on my promises and those people are still with me and, and we moved up together. Uh, as far as, you know, another avenue we've used and, and we're lucky enough to have a quick loop in the one facility that I'm at, I get a lot of young individuals from the current technology center. And, you know, if I add a one out of 10, I'll end up putting into the shop and, and, and put them with a mentor and grow them. And two of my stores, our, our head technicians came from the quick loop. They came, you know, they've been with us since they were 16, 17. And we've recently started an apprenticeship program. It's, it's, you know, the whole country is a big push state of Maryland where I'm at is a big push. We've done it for years. We just never put pen to paper and actually gave them their career path. And that's what we're finalizing now. But we grow from within um, because of that quick loop. We're able to grow and, you know, maybe they can look into the quick loop industry and find some people because a lot of a lot of people want to try it. And quick loop is a great way to start. And then you find out who actually has the, some abilities and the right temperament. And then you can push them up into your shop and, and really invest in them and see what you can grow out of it. Grow your own is what you're saying, and you have, you have a smart pathway to do that. Well, Jude, uh, what are you going to say to Tom? Well, I was actually thinking of, of uh, some of what Ryan was saying because he was he was giving my kind of elevator speech, passionate elevator speech because I, I do recruiting for clients and not just for my own company but but for others as well. And he was he was hitting a lot of the the, the points that that I hit, but and and, he, and he's right. You need I you know I I teach classes on the subject of, you know, the, you know, how to hire like a boss or hire like a boss, all that kind of stuff. And my answer is always everywhere. You need to be everywhere because you don't know where they are in that moment and you need to be doing it continuously. You don't wait till the building's on fire to go buy a fire extinguisher, right? You, you want to be prepared. You want to be, you know, set up and ready in advance, um, having a good list of people, good connections, good relationships. When you're just out just searching you you've got to be everywhere i mean craigslist uh, you know has not been the best in 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 my local area here but you using craigslist to go to other areas because depending on where your business is located one of the things that may be so great about you is that maybe you're in a smaller town and you can go pull from bigger towns where people don't want to live the life of having a two-hour commute on either end of their their work day and they want to live in a smaller town. So you can go advertise in those towns, you know, sell them on that town and pull them over from there, or, you know, or different states or, or wherever there's a, a place where somebody, you know, wants what you have. But again, it goes back to needing to sell it, sell who you are, sell what you, your community, you know, the whole, the whole thing. But yeah, the answer is you've got to be, you've got to be everywhere. Any, anything you hear of that's a possibility, try it. You know, a lot of this stuff is free and there's not tons of it that you have to spend a lot of money on even. You know, so try it. Put put your feelers out there everywhere. And I know one of the biggest successes we've have typically is word of mouth. 
is, you know, getting, like they were saying, getting yourself the, the status of your shop to where people are just like, wow, I would love to work in that place. Like you got a, almost a line out the door of people waiting like, oh, could I get in and work there? That would be amazing. That's a really great position to be in. Um, but short of that, word of mouth of your employees that they know a guy who knows a guy who has a friend who, you know, and there's there's people that are unhappy. But, you know, it's got to be the right fit. You don't want them, somebody just because they're unhappy. You want somebody because they're not in a good fit and you are a good fit. And a lot of times I can easily steal from dealerships because there's unfortunately a lot of dealerships have a, a really big political environment. There's a lot of politics and a lot of uh, internal drama and stuff that goes on. And any of us who have built a good culture inside of our business, you eliminate all of that to the best of your ability. And so you can sell them on, you know, you come here and we have fun and we get work done. We don't worry about who's dating who and, you know, love triangles and weird stuff like that going on that goes on in some of these, you know, bigger organizations. So anyway, that's my answer. Thank you, Jude. Uh, would that satisfy your members, Tom? Oh, I think there's some great ideas in there. Absolutely. I, I agree with a, a, quite a number of them. Uh, there are, and, I, and I've been to a number of uh, some of the member shops who really do check off most of the things on that list. And they're, they're just in the, the pool in certain areas, and it's certain areas of the country more than others, the, the pool is just getting, seems to get smaller and smaller and smaller every year. Uh, and the demand gets higher and it just becomes more and more difficult each year to find people. So you really want to be the place where techs want to work. And, and that's not easy to, you know, okay, I, people want to work here. Uh, there's so much more. Like Ryan, Ryan, really, you did a great summary on that image and culture and, and all of that. And, and everything's got to be right down to the uniform. It's got to be perfect. And if it's perfect inside like that it's perfect for the customer then see this the, the customer gets your business gets the residual rewards from the customer base because you've done so much great work to be, be sure that you're building a strong team and that team takes care of the customer i'm glad we had this talk it went places i didn't think they always do every time we get together with an academy every academy spurs other ones because everyone's so willing to share and give up and, and pay it forward because all ships rise. Jude Larson, Dwayne Meyer, Ryan Klo, Tom Ham, thank you so much for giving up your one hour on a uh, Friday holiday weekend coming up. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time, 